Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 479 now of the Ron and Don Show, and you're listening to the Ron and Don Show, live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, let's talk about Tiger Woods saying that golf, yeah, money is ruining the game. <laughs> he's the only billionaire golfer, by the way. Um, yeah, he's saying that. Get Ron's take on that. It was a pretty avid golfer himself. Also, uh, how come we eat too much? What I said is I'm choking on a, a yam sandwich. Not a ham sandwich. A yam sandwich. Not as good as a ham sandwich. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, let's get to this, Ron. Before we started today, you were talking about Amazon uh, deciding that they will be the decider about uh, what kind of movies and what kind of reading materials that we can buy online and those that we can't. And this goes back to Kyrie Irving, doesn't it? Yeah, there's an interesting article. The new uh, CEO of Amazon, and I'll need to look up his name because I don't remember off the top of my head, was recently speaking at an event, and someone asked him about this controversial movie that got uh, Kyrie Irving expelled from the NBA for a little while. The movie is called From uh, Hebrews to Negroes. And it is this, it's a self-made, quote-unquote, documentary that, uh, you know, makes a lot of anti-Semitic claims in it. And it's available on Amazon to watch. And so, if you don't, if you didn't follow the story with Kyrie Irving, who plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Andy Andy Jazzy. And so, uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, Kyrie just posted the link to this movie on his social media without any commentary and got in a lot of trouble for it and ended up, uh, you know, losing some money and endorsements and the whole nine. And so he, the, the CEO was asked about this of Amazon. It's like, Hey, are you going to take down this movie? Not just that. He lost his job. They're like, Hey, you can't play basketball until you come out, you do some work and you apologize. So they uh, asked Amazon CEO, are you going to remove this movie from your offerings? And he basically was like, no, Um, we're not going to remove it. Amazon serves, he said, hundreds of millions of people around the world, which is probably true when you think about it. Hundreds of millions of people uh, go through the Amazon portal. They also have this self-publishing arm. So if you've never read this or gone on Amazon, Don and I could create a video about any topic that we want to, uh, and we could post it to Amazon as creators. We could write a book. Um, and self-publish that book through the Kindle bookstore and just put it out there in the universe and try to get people to buy this book. And in fact, that's how 50 shades of gray, 50 shades of gray started out as fan fiction of a different movie. And then they, it started to sell pretty well as a self-published title. They changed it, uh, to take away its affiliation with this other film and it created its own situation. So that, that author just wrote the book, put it out themselves. So that's what happened with this particular quote unquote documentary. And so the CEO of Amazon is like, Hey, there's a lot of content out there. 
we can't go through every single piece of content, everything, and be the arbiter of what's offensive, what isn't offensive on every piece of content. And so, no, we are not going to take this film down. Uh, you can still continue to rent it on Amazon, and that is just the way it's going to go. He drew the line at, he said, if there's content, and these are the examples that the CEO of Amazon used. I'm not making these up. So if there's a content out there that is teaching someone how to do violence or teaching someone something like uh, pedophilia, we would take that content down. Those were the two examples that he gave. But this anti-Semitic film, he's like, that stays up. What's, what is your take on this? Yeah, I think that's bold. You know what? And and I think they need to do something. You, you've, you've seen Mark Zuckerberg try to skate on this and he can't. Uh, you see Elon Musk trying to figure it out and, and that might be the end of Twitter. Who knows? Uh, although I don't know if he is trying to figure it out. <laughs> what's, that? what's that? I don't know if Elon is trying to figure it out. He seems like he just opened the floodgates. I don't know. He flew to, uh, Apple the other day and seemed to get his way when he, when he sat down with the folks at Apple. So maybe he's doing something that he is just so smart that, excuse me that we don't get it and understand it. And maybe we'll understand it after he's already done it. Right. Uh, cause chances are he's a lot smarter than I am. It seems like anyway, I, 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 I look at this and I think what's difficult for them for is, is just to keep up with all the products that Amazon is trying to sell. Uh, I bought a pair of, of shoes, just some cycling shoes, uh, last month from Amazon. And when they showed up, they were the wrong color. Uh, they were the wrong size. When I ended up going direct and calling the bike shop, I said, hey, these are the wrong color and the wrong size because I tried to do that through Amazon, and they told me to to contact this gentleman in Rhode Island. He was so ticked off, and he was so mad. You should have seen the way that this, this was packaged also and the way that it arrived. It's pretty shoddy. Uh, but nonetheless, he said in order to stay on the Amazon platform and sell all the things that they're selling – he takes a $9 loss on, on those particular pair of shoes, right? Uh, I was in the store the other day at Bartels, and I saw something that I wanted to buy for some of our clients. And so I do what I do sometimes where I'll look on Amazon, see if it's cheaper. It was actually cheaper in the store that I was in. It was $10 cheaper than it was up on Amazon, which I thought was very interesting. I, I think for them, just trying to create algorithms so you understand not only price control and, and, and what you're selling. They're trying to automate everything, uh, trying to hire more robots. Uh, and this is the thing that uh, Obama, uh, President Obama, warned us about before he left. They said, what is, what is the scariest thing in the world that you're concerned about? Are you, are you concerned about Putin? And, he, and, and of course he was. Are you concerned about China? He says, of course him. But the, but the biggest thing that he was concerned about, and the last interview that he gave was actually on a podcast because I think – uh, he wanted to show that, hey, I'm not going to give this to some news channel out there. Um, he, he, said Mark his, Marin. he said his biggest concern is that everything becomes artificial intelligence. And, and I think in this particular case, this takes real intelligence to figure out what we're going to post and what we're not, what we're going to sell and what we're not. I just don't think they have the human power to do it. And so I think for him, it's a very easy answer, and he's punting on this. But in today's day and age, 
I don't think you can. I think there's going to be way too much pressure on this. I, what say you? I, I sympathize with him in this regard. I, I just listened to a podcast recently from Sam Harris. He's the author, and he does a lot of stuff on meditation. But he's also written some books on religion. He's an, he's an avowed atheist. So he had a, a guest on, and he had talked about – he's written some books that are highly critical of Islam. Uh, especially after 9-11, and he does it from a scholarly point of view, but very, very critical. And he gets such backlash on that and so many complaints. If you're someone like Amazon, um, do you take down a scholarly critique of something like Islam from a guy that, that, you know, is a PhD from Stanford and, you know, basically backs up his arguments with you know, evidence-based research and footnotes and the whole deal. It's very different from this anti-Semitic movie that is posing as a documentary that sort of makes up a lot of facts and stuff is not well-researched. But each each film gets pushback and critique. Like each film gets complaints or each, each piece of media. So Sam Harris gets a lot of complaints from uh, you know is the Islamic community demanding that Amazon take that book down, and he's saying, "Hey, I stand behind everything I wrote in there. It's critical, but it's fair, and it's based on not uh, it's based in fact, and I can back up everything I said in there." Um, very different than the the Kyrie Irving book. But if you're Amazon, do you want to be that guy? Do you want to be the person that says, "Okay, we want to sell stuff to Islamic people." Um, and we want to sell stuff to Jewish people. Do I want to be the person that makes that call? He's saying he doesn't want to be that yeah, person. Well, you have to try. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys want to thank everybody that stopped by Les Schwab over the past 10 years and you've helped fight hunger. That's right. They're doing it again at Les Schwab. They have a big campaign going on and we want you to be a part of it. Ron, it's brought to you by Aramark. Food Lifeline, and they're teaming up with Les Schwab to help everyone out this holiday season, right? Yeah, it could not be easier to help folks in our own communities with food insecurity. You can do a, this a couple of ways. Number one is uh, when you're at the store, pick up some non-perishable food items, take them to your local Les Schwab. They will have a big box in the lobby. You can put the food in the box. Number two, if you're lazy like me and you don't feel like doing that, you can just pull in when it when it comes to mind. Maybe you're listening to this podcast in the car and you see a Les Schwab up the road, pull into the parking lot and just give them cash out the door. You don't even have to get out of the car. Number three, you can call them if you want to do it uh, over a credit card. All right. So if you're like, if you've been impacted by food insecurity in your life and you're doing a little bit better this time around, Around, uh, why don't you help out with Food Lifeline and Les Schwab and Aramark? Yeah, there you go. My son and I go every year. We fill up a box, and it's something that's great to do with your kids, you guys, because they understand then just how valuable uh, food is and how fun it is, important it is to help people in the community. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing, and we get to partner with them since 1952. Laura Miller's one of the leading commercial real estate brokers around the Sound. You see her name everywhere. But when she needed to sell her own home in West Seattle, she turned to Ron and Don. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were gonna provide their services were, it just made it easy, it was a laydown. As someone who regularly handles multi-million dollar deals, Laura has high standards and expectations, and she says the guys exceeded them. 
I like to have a fair amount of communication as to what's going on in the market. What are you doing today <laughs> to um, you know move the sale forward? And they were collaborative. They came forward with some really great ideas, even little details like, could you water the plant while you're there? They're like, uh, of course. And they would show me them watering the plant. <laughs> In no time, they got a deal done. Laura got even more than she hoped for. And she says she couldn't be more impressed with their service, attention to detail and results. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. You did really well. They're awesome. They are just people you want to hang out with. <laughs> and if you're ready to get more for your door and work with some pretty awesome guys as well, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronanddon.com. Hey, it's GeForce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. How come we eat so much, Ron? <laughs> because because we're pigs now there is an interesting article around thanksgiving it talked about hedonic eating uh and that is when you know you've you've eaten three plates of stuff at thanksgiving and you're like i couldn't eat another bite and then 10 minutes later they bring the pumpkin or pecan pie out and you're like okay i guess i can do a slice of pie and you somehow are able to find room in your gut to do that and they they talk about this mechanism in the brain called hedonic eating uh which is eating for pleasure instead of eating for sustenance and when you when folks lean into that uh it can you know basically override your cues in your body i i found this to be interesting because i i struggle with this to like every day of my life in terms of listening to body cues because i i grew up in uh an environment where you cleaned your plate we were a clean your plate household uh and it didn't matter what the cues were or what your preferences were you cleaned your plate so there were definitely days of like and i know like a lot of kids are picky eaters i don't think i'm a picky eater now definitely but when you're younger it's like i don't like fill in the blank broccoli or whatever it is and you were forced to clean your plate and so having that you know be my standard setting uh from childhood into my you know teenage years it's hard for me sometimes to go am i full have I eaten too much? Like when do they, if there's still stuff on my plate, that means I'm not full yet. I'm full when everything's gone. Uh, and I've even done little experiments to like go, okay, I'm going to leave a bite of each item on the plate and not eat it and, and see if I can not feel guilty about that. And then take a second to see if I'm full. Cause this hedonic eating thing if that's what you know, if that's your default setting, it's really hard to override that. I don't know if you grew up in a clean your plate household too. Yeah, and we were always fighting over the gallon of milk, but that was that was you know that was four kids having it out, and I think for you it was three growing up, right? Three kids having yep, it out. Three kids. Yeah. So uh, so four kids having it out. Uh, you know what's you know what's really helped me is just when I go to the store, I try to go to the store daily. One of the reasons I do that is because I want to be thoughtful and mindful and I want my son to contribute. I want to teach him how to cook, which which we've been doing, and we cook together. 
because uh, I think it's really helpful that a, that a child knows how to cook for themselves when they get older and they know how to participate in that. And, and, and I think, you know, you, you hear this thing, don't ever shame someone about calories. I think learning about calories, you can learn about calories because my, my son right now has, has, a, has a big gut on him and he has man boobs and all kinds of stuff going on because he's going through puberty and he hasn't grown yet. But he exercises and we walk Charlie a lot and we ride bikes. We do a lot of uh, active things together. We're in a workout room. It's, it's actually his idea. I, I always let him know, hey, if you ever want to work out like dad, uh, I'm available. And so he, I would say for the past three months, uh, every day that he's here, when we get, we get back from school, we turn on some music and we write out our workout plan and, and, and we work out together. So we, we make sure that we're incorporating movement in our lives. And, and then also so, something that you can really do that's really helpful for your kiddo is if you're, if you're serving them a lot of sugary cereal in the morning and that's starting off their day that's treacherous for them. It's absolutely treacherous because all that sugar in their system and all those carbs in their system is just going to make them hunger for more sugar and more carbs. And when you're not looking, I pack my son's lunch. So we try to be thoughtful about that when we're getting ready for lunch. But, it, but if they're allowed to just kind of buy whatever they want to buy when they go to school, uh, especially as they get older, if they go off campus, they're going to be chasing more carbs. Same thing in the evening, you know, with pizza parties and everything else. And, and then also, I think if you grew up in a household where dessert is a part of the whole thing, uh, does dessert have to be a part of the whole thing every night? Uh, so for us, we pick certain nights where we're going to have dessert and we talk about it. And then there's lots of other nights where if he's still hungry, uh, then maybe we have a piece of fruit or something. But we're trying to be really mindful in the, in the way that we eat. And then also eating earlier. Sometimes... You know, we get pushed sometimes to eating past seven o'clock and, and, and that's not helpful either. And, and then as you grow older, I think having windows and you're seeing this a lot where people are trying to be more mindful about the time that they eat and then the time that they don't eat. Think about that. The time that you don't eat. Um, I read a book a number of years ago and it really changed the way that I thought about eating and it had to do with running. And it's when I started doing some trail running. And it was really incredible because sometimes I would go out and I would run with friends and they could run for hours and I would get to every 30 minutes and I'm re reaching for a goo package and reaching for a goo package and reaching for, and then I, and then I read this book about running and it talked about the fact that all I'm doing is I'm just topping off the tank with sugar, topping off the tank with sugar, topping off the tank with sugar. Because I never allow my body to get to a place where it's going to burn fat. And a lot of us do that in our everyday lives, right? We never give our body the chance to be efficient and to burn it off. And when you start doing that, and you may have heard of intermittent fasting, I think, I think that term sometimes for people can be scary or it can be overload or it can be too much. So, so don't call it intermittent fasting. Just think about, think about even tonight before I go to bed, I'll think about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Uh, when I'm going to exercise, am I going to connect that with my eating? And when does that begin? On Mondays, I don't start eating until two o'clock in the afternoon and I shut it down at eight. Uh, there's other days where I'll start eating at noon and then I'll shut it down at eight. And then there's other days where like on a Saturday, yeah, we're, we're going to go out, we're going to have some breakfast and we're going to have some bacon and some eggs and do all the stuff. So I just, I just and, and what happens when you go to Costco 
And God knows a lot of us are going to Costco right now because of inflation, right? Because food is so, so expensive. See if you can put the food somewhere else in the house. Uh, see if you can put something out in there. Because, because when it's available, and it, like, like if you went down into my refrigerator right now and people always laugh, they're like, wow, you don't, you don't have much food. It's because we buy our food every day. What I just ate, I, I bought yesterday and I knew that I was going to be eating this yam sandwich today. So I think just being more mindful about it. And then when you do stop by, because you have to get fast food fast. I am at a point now where if I eat fast food, I get a little sick from it because my body is not used to that. But I, but I just think thinking in terms of how I'm going to fuel my body and then giving your body time to burn that fuel, which, which you know, if you, if, if, if you fill up your gas tank every time it gets to three quarters and you fill it back up, which I know Ron probably does because he's, he's mindful about a lot of things. Don't do that with your body. Let it get down to a quarter. Let it get down to a tenth of a tank. Let it run out every once in a while and see what that feels like. And then go fuel. We will see you on the other side of it. Hey, you guys. I'm sitting here with Mitch Weeks right now, one of the great sponsors of the Ron and Don Show. He is a mortgage broker, and you can find out more about him at Mitch.com loans. Hey, a really cool time to be creative when it comes to being a buyer. And there's sellers right now that are stepping up and saying, let me help the buyer by doing something called a buy down, right? Yeah, they are. And it's one of those things that's beneficial for both sides. Sellers give money up front for the buyers to buy down their rate and save money for the life of the loan. It's a really creative solution, really working for a lot of people. Yeah, there's also something called a 2-1. What's a 2-1? A 2-1 is where you get your rate bought down 2% for the first year, 1% for the second year, and then after that, you're home free in your current rate. But it's great savings up front, and then you have a chance to refi over the next two years. Yeah, good news, good time to be a buyer, good time for sellers to be creative and help that buyer. And Mitch, you can help everyone. Uh, How do people reach out? Go to Mitch.loans, set up a meeting, and let's figure out a creative solution for you. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the final segment of the Ron and Don Show. It's pretty interesting. Tiger Woods, uh, not playing a lot of golf, but he has a lot to say about people that are playing golf. And Ronnie feels like all the Saudi Arabia money is ruining the game. And he looks at people like Greg Norman, and he says, you know what? We have to run these dudes out of the game. Uh, by the way, he is the only billionaire golfer in the world as far as someone that has made his uh, well over a billion dollars playing golf. Uh, what say you about Tiger Woods? Because it seems like he's having a lot more say these days and is, in some sense, is becoming the face of the PGA, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree entirely with how you characterize his press conference. Uh, he's at a tournament. He has plantar fasciitis. He can't play, so he withdrew from the tournament. Uh, and then he, he said, he did say that Greg Norman needs to go because they're at the point now where the Live Golf Tour, uh, the Saudi Tour, and PGA, they're feeling pressure to merge those tournaments or to sanction it in some way, to partner in some way to allow it. And Tiger Woods said that's not going to happen as long as Greg Norman is still involved with Liv. Uh, if he goes, then maybe there's a path to make that happen. Um, this is it's interesting because if you're critical of Liv, 
because they're doing sports washing. And that's the concept of a regime like the Saudi Arabian government that uses sports to wash the image of the country. Remember, this is a country that murdered a journalist because they didn't agree with the reporting they did from the Washington Post. And so short time after that is when Liv comes out and they're trying to basically sports wash, get the, you know, standing. If, if Saudi Arabia can partner with the PGA. Hey, Joe Biden came out and said, hey, that guy has immunity. He goes, I'm not making that up. That's just the rules. That's the laws. And and, and right. he has immunity. So, so and, and that's my critique for, you know, the guys that went to live. Should they be held to a different standard than the United States government? The U.S. government still does business with Saudi Arabia. They still allow a Saudi Arabian person to visit here and to, to not face any sort of prosecution or any sort of uh, judgment legally. And so the United States, it, if you are hardlining against live, you should probably also hardline against U.S. politics. So it's, it's a very complicated issue, but I see the point of saying we don't want to partner with Greg Norman and live. I understand that point. I also understand the point of someone like Phil Mickelson, who's on the tail end of his career going, I added a tremendous amount of value to the PGA and they're not reciprocating. They're trying to take my highlights and sell them. Phil Mickelson cannot go out and sell a high, monetize a highlight of, of a PGA tournament. PGA says, nope, Phil, we own that content. He's like, it's me making a shot. Why can't I monetize me winning the PGA? How come I can't make a digital asset out of a famous moment in my career? Yes, it happened at your tournament, but I'm the one that made the shot. I think that's a valid point from Phil Mickelson. He, he, the way he's abrasive, he has a tone issue and the way he comes across is not everybody's cup of tea, but I think it's a valid point in the same way that I argued for the NCAA athletes to say, wait a minute, they're the ones making the plays. Why is the NCAA getting all the money? Yeah, Why is Nick Saban making $8 million and the player makes $0? Yeah, I don't know if that's all the same though. What about Tom Brady, uh, wins a, uh, Wins Super Bowl and says, "I'm going to Disneyland." How much money is the NFL making off that? And then, and now, let's show Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl a year later. And instead of doing that with NFL films, you want to do it with Tom Brady films? Is that what you want to do? So, and do you want him NFL's to be able, different than PGA? Do you want him to be able to spike a football and say, "Hey, you know, when I won the Super Bowl, whatever, now I eat this oatmeal." Yeah, I mean, the NFL is a team sport. PGA is an individual sport. I'm just saying there, there's a lot of facets to this. And for Tiger to call for Greg Norman to be out, I think Greg Norman would say, hey, because of what I did, all the prize pools went up. And there is a valid critique, I think, of the PGA, which claims to be a nonprofit when they have hundreds of millions of dollars in assets uh, and their executives get paid pretty handsomely. How can you be a nonprofit and have $700 million in the bank? It's pretty amazing in, in, in a white sport that you have a black man who's richer than them all who is stepping to a microphone and defending that sport. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. It'll be interesting to see what happens. If Greg Norman goes... The PGA will feel pressure to sanction a relationship with Liv 
because they want those major winners back to play at majors. Uh, they took an untenable line that was unwise this past summer. Uh, so we'll see how it develops. Rory McIlroy is the other guy that's that's really waving the PGA flag, um, which is interesting because he's from Europe <laughs> and like he's not an American citizen. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see where this plays out. And Greg Norman's Australian, of course. Um, but I, I see valid points on all sides. I really do. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, first of all, happy holidays to you. And if you're listening and you're thinking about, hey, when it comes to 2023, is it going to be a good time to buy? Is it even going to be a good time to sell? Uh, what about investing? Uh, Ron, people can get in touch with us. We can do something called a Ron and Don Sit Down, which is a virtual meeting. It's about 30 to 45 minutes. It's absolutely free. It's a chance for us to kind of talk about your real estate journey and uh, see if we'd be a, a good team uh, either now or sometime in the future. Yeah, email me. Let's put together a game plan. We can do a 45-minute Zoom call and get uh, you on the right path. Ron at ronanddon.com. Yeah, and I'm Don at ronanddon.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Happy holidays, you guys. Only, only, only. Let's say Charlie. This is the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back, and keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only, 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 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.